so grateful. I am so grateful to have the privilege of pastoring this church. I thank the Lord for great elders, great elders. Amen. Thank, amen. Come on, church. We got great leaders here with awesome experience who love you. Thank the Lord for a great assistant pastor. Amen. Anything that I need to have done, this brother is always trying to make my, my life easier. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank the Lord for our deacons amen. and our amen core team leaders. And uh, if the Lord puts on your heart that you want to bless one of these elders or assistant with some green, well, I don't even know if people have that anymore. But uh, bless, bless the people that bless you. God says, give honor to whom honor is due. I thank you all for all that you do for me, but I don't do this alone. So bless those who are blessing you through the leadership of this church. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. In Luke chapter 2, as I display my new Bible, beginning in verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to deliver, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in straps of clothes or swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Let us pray. God, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Don't miss the best gift. I'm going to ask you to move that back a little bit for me, bro. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Christmas in the Benson house for our four children when they were small was very, very magical. And I enjoyed making the experience as thrilling and unpredictable as possible. So I would ask the children to write out a list, and I'm sorry for all of you who believe in St. Nick. I, even when I wasn't a Christian, I was trying to find my stuff. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to come from somebody in a red leotard suit. And so they make their list, and I'd say, make sure you write the, the item that you most want for Christmas. And that was normally the most expensive item. And then my wife and I would split the list. She would usually get the clothes, and I'd take care of the toys. And uh, I come from a family of nine. I'm the oldest of nine. And so whenever we would come down for Christmas, if my mother didn't get angry at us bugging her, sometimes we get our Christmas would be Saturday. We get our toys on Tuesday. <laughs> behind the table. Behind. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> It really wasn't about Christ for us. And I would go out of my way to convince the children that they needed to reconsider 
the item that they most wanted because it was out of my price range. And so they would come up with alternate uh, selections. And so the, the day would come uh, for the children to come down, and first thing we would do is pray. Then we would read the Christmas story. And how many of you know that we're just one generation away from obliterating or annihilating from our, the minds of our children Christmas? If you don't teach children the tradition and the truth of Christmas, it will not pass on to them. And for those of us who say every day is Christmas, every day is not Christmas. December the 25th is the only day when the entire world pauses to give recognition to Christ. And I'm going to make that a special day if that gives me an opportunity to declare the name of Christ in a world that's paying attention on that on this one day. And so after we would read the story of uh, Christmas, the story of Christ, each child would get a chance to read. Then they would begin to open up their gifts, and they were so excited, and they were not thinking about their favorite gift. They were just tearing things open and just glad to have whatever we, we gave them. And they would begin to play. And then after they kind of got really involved in playing with their toys, then I would stop them and I'd say to each one, look under the tree a little further. And one by one, they would search under the tree, and the one thing they thought that they wouldn't get, they got it. They always got the special thing they requested, unless it was a car or something. They were, that wasn't happening. <laughs> or drums. Nobody ever got drums. And... Uh, I was always amazed that they fell for it every year. Every year they fell for it. Not only did they fall for it, but they would be so enamored and excited about their gift that they would never look beyond where you pointed them to. Because the, the special gift, the best gift, was still under the tree. They just never looked. They just stopped once they got. And so the question was, how could they miss that there was still a gift under the tree for them? They were distracted by other toys. I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, in the city of Bethlehem, a baby named Jesus was born in a manger. And the scripture says that there was an attempt to find a place, a suitable place, but there was no room. And so they ended up in a place, an animal stall. Jesus, the son of God, was placed in a trough where animals drink water and wrapped in strips of clothes. Now, while the greatest gift of all was birthed on that day in the city of Bethlehem, people were distracted around the world because the Caesar Augustus, who was the most powerful person in the world, he was the emperor of Rome, he had given an edict that everyone under the empire's leadership, under his reign, had to return to their own city of birth to register so that he could more accurately exact taxes from them. What he didn't know 
was that in making that decree that he was causing scriptures to be fulfilled. But the point that I'm trying to make is that on the day that Jesus was born, the world missed it because like my children, they were distracted by other toys, by other events in the world. Two of the most sobering verses in all of scripture to me that that are astonishing when you consider the fact of who Jesus is. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, that Jesus was in the world, and the world was made by him, but the world did not know him. Verse 10 says, he came unto his own, but they received him not. They missed the best gift. And today, I want to talk to you so that we are not guilty of being distracted by the commercialism of Christmas. That nothing would take our eyes and our focus off of the author and the finisher of our faith, who is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell somebody, don't miss the best gift. Question that comes to mind for me is why Do we miss the best gift? I just want to share with you three reasons why we miss the best gift. And one of them is Satan, who is the god of this world. He blinds the minds of the unbeliever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, the Bible says, But if our gospel be veiled, if the gospel that we preach is hidden, it is hidden, it is concealed to those who are perishing, who the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they receive the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the icon, who is the image, who is the exact replica of God. And so one of the reasons why the world misses the best thing on Christmas Day and throughout the others 364 days in a year is because the God of this world blinds their minds. I want you to understand that people who are unsaved are blinded to the truth. That's why the Bible says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness. Scripture says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you unto myself. The world does not understand. The Bible says that the natural man, the unsaved man, the physikos man, the person who's only been born the first time. That's why Jesus said to religious Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot comprehend the things of God. That which is born of the spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh, marvel not that I say you must be born again. So Satan blinds the minds of those who are perishing. But there's a second reason. Sinners who have been blinded love sin more than him. Sinners love sin more than him. When I was unsaved, I loved sin. I do. I did. I did. I did. Past tense. (laughs) In 
John chapter 19, verse th chapter 3, verses 19 20 says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. And men love darkness. Men love sin rather than righteousness, love light. Because their deeds are evil, says that men love darkness, sinners love darkness. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest their deeds be exposed. <clears throat> when I lived in North Philadelphia, we had a rodent problem from time to time. You could hear them moving like organized, mobilized troops. Troop, troop, troop. <laughs> But when you turn the lights on, they would all scatter in different directions because they love darkness more than light. Sinners love sin more than they love him. That's why they don't celebrate Christ as the best gift. But here's where it becomes a problem. Saints, say saints. And if you study scripture, you'll notice, unlike some church organizations where they vote on who becomes a saint after you've died, the Bible says that we all are hagiases. We are all saints of God. You never will find the word saint in the singular. It's always in the plural. And it always refers to the body of Christ. The reason why we don't, why we miss the best thing is saints have made Christmas about ourselves rather than honoring Christ. It has become about us rather than honoring Christ. The passage in Revelation chapter 3, I often use in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 20, and I believe that this particular church, the church at Laodicea, describes the times that we are living in in terms of what most portrays the church of the 21st century and it's the lukewarm church. And Jesus said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were either hot or cold. So then because you are lukewarm and neither, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have no need of nothing. And do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's pretty bad. Verse 19 says, And many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. And Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone open the door, I will come in and I will commune with him. The point is that this was a church that said they, they had vision, that they, that they, that they were wealthy, and that they had need of nothing. They were rich, they had vision, and they had, they, had, they had need of nothing. And so Jesus said, while you think you are rich and you've got vision and you have need of nothing, he says, you're naked, you're blind, and you're wretched. And this was a church, he said, you're having church, you're coming together, you've got the praise and worship, you've got the preaching, you've got all the trappings that says that church is going on. The only problem is, while you're having church, while you're celebrating in my name, while you're having a party in my name, I am outside of the church knocking on the door trying to get in. Because you've made worship, you've made Christmas, you've made rituals about you, 
rather than about me. But if you let me in, don't assume because the music is good that I'm in. Don't even assume because miracles are happening that I'm the miracle worker. Don't assume because the church has a lot of money in a beautiful building that I'm in the room. Because in order for me to be in the room, you have to invite me into the room. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of the saints. And one of the ways that we allow God to come into the building and to feel most comfortable is when the praises go up, God responds because our praises become a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. And so when we make Christmas about us, what did you get me? And is my gift better than your gift? Why didn't you get me what I wanted, even though it's going to break us and overextend our credit? And it's going to come and get it later. You can have it for a couple days. They'll come and get it later. Now imagine... You've invite, you're invited to this spectacular venue, upscale, and, and, and you show up and you see the balloons and you see all of the paraphernalia. Said a party has been going on, but you notice that all the plates are clean, all the food is gone, all the beverages are gone, the DJ has even gone, and some of you purchased some alcohol. All of it's gone. Nobody's there. And one of the staff members walks up to you with a gigantic birthday card, and hundreds of people have signed it. And they said, we had an amazing time. The food was great. The GJ was amazing. The beverages were off the chain. And man, that we make all kinds of network connections and so forth. And they said, happy birthday. We got to do this again. But you weren't even there. It's all gone before you get there. Would you be good with that? No, no, that would be what that would be a problem. The party was your birthday surprise, but the folk got there before you did. They ate up all your food. The DJ who got paid because they ain't doing it for free, he done left full. And they leave you a big birthday card. Happy birthday. We got to do this again next year. I want you to understand when Christians make Christmas about themselves, that's exactly what we're doing to the Lord. We say, Lord, bless us. We, we, we love you for how you took care of us. Thank you, God, for a roof of our head, food on our table, clothes on our back. Thank you, God, making a way out of no way, moving our mountains and keeping our kids out of trouble. Thank you, oh God, that I didn't get COVID a fifth time. Thank you, oh God. We got to do this again next year. Because we never encountered him. We never spent time at his feet. The reason we miss it is because sinners love sin more than they love God and love Christ. We miss it because Satan has blinded the mind of them who believe not. And saints have made it about them. Now, what makes Christ the best gift? What makes him the best gift? I knew you would ask that question. So let me help you out with an answer. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 helps us. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The Lord, Jehovah himself. Actually, it's the word Adonai, Lord of hosts, sovereign God. 
ruler, king, master, controller. He will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. One of the reasons why Jesus is the best gift is because the purity of his birth. A virgin shall give birth to a son who is actually the son of God. That's what Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says. That prophecy that Isaiah wrote occurred at least 1,000 years before, 800 years before the Messiah was actually born. And so the reason why Jesus should be the best gift, or he is the best gift, is because of the purity of his birth. Here's, we also see uh, a, another passage where it talks about this in Luke chapter, uh, uh, Luke chapter 2, and it says, And behold, you will, in Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, 31, says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have not known a man? I'm bird, a virgin. And Joseph said, I have near a nickel and that dime. Mm-hmm. You catch that later. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will cause you to conceive the child. And so one of the reasons why Jesus is the best gift is because of the purity of his birth. He was born without a sin nature, just like the first Adam. The Bible says that Adam was without sin. Adam was Adam had he was innocent until he fell. But the second Adam, who is Jesus, was born of a virgin, so he did not receive the seed of man, which through the seed of man, through the seed of Adam, that is how sin is passed from one person to the next, not through the wound of a woman. And so the purity of his birth, this would be someone who would never sin, even though the Bible says we have a high priest who cannot be touch, who's not ignorant of our suffering and our struggles, but Jesus, who was tempted just like we are, he never sinned. Just like Adam was tempted and Adam yielded, Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so the purity of his birth makes makes him the best, but the peculiarity of his birth, the peculiarity, the, the differentness, unique, the uniqueness of his birth. The Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The, the, the peculiarity, the uniqueness of Jesus' birth is that Jesus is the eternal son of God. He's always been the son of God. He didn't become the son of God because Mary carried him. He was the son of God before there was a Mary, before there was a time. There was a, a time called, outside a time called eternity. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus did not regard becoming equal with God something that he needed to gain or earn or achieve because he existed in the form of God before he took on human flesh. And so the peculiarity, the uniqueness of his birth. And so he's the eternal son of God, but he's also the human son of God because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Bible said, and the word that was in the beginning with God became flesh. And the scripture says, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son that, that Jesus, the eternal son of God, took on human form. Theologians call that the hypostatic union where divinity and humanity perfectly linked, linked together in human form. Jesus is the God-man, the God-man. He is both God and man at the same time. That's what makes him the best gift. 
He never stopped being God. Even after he took on the flesh, he came humbly. That makes him the best. The Bible says, for unto us a child is born. He was born as an infant. The son of God, the eternal son, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty counselor, prince of peace, took on human form. And how did he come? Not riding a white horse. How did he come? Not as a lion of Judah, but he came as a suffering servant. He took on the form of humility. The Bible says he humbled himself, emptied himself, taking on the form of a little infant, born in a manger, he came home, unto us a, a son is given, a son and a child is born. The place of his birth also makes him the best because back in the book of uh, uh, Micah, 500 years before Jesus even came in the flesh, a prophecy was made. But Bethlehem of Euphrates, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, who's coming forth and from is from old and from everlasting, from everlasting. And so the place of Jesus' birth was predicted. The peculiarity of his birth, he would be born of a virgin. He would not have sin nature, but he would take on human form and he would suffer in order that through his death we could have eternal life. Somebody say amen. The purpose for which he came, I like what Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, but when, but in the fullness of time, say in the fullness of time, Jesus, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might through him receive adoption as son. And so the purpose for which Jesus came makes him the best a gift of all because he came to save us. He said, I come to seek in the save the Lord. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, God proved his love for us by sending his son, Jesus. That's what makes him the best gift. The, when when, 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 when uh, Peter saw Jesus, the first thing he saw Jesus when he was walking towards Christ, he said, behold, the, no, this was John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. The purpose for which Jesus came was to take away your sin and my sins. God is holy. We are not. Our sin separates us from him. And because of sin, God is required. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death. So there's a consequence for our sin. But God paid for the penalty for our sin by sending Jesus. That, make, that makes him the best. Doesn't that, pretty, doesn't that make him a pretty good gift? And so what makes Jesus the best gift? His peculiarity, the peculiarity, the unusualness of his birth. What makes him the best gift? It's the purpose for which he came, the place for which he was born, the purity of his birth. And I've shared with you guys about how technologically savvy I am. I struggle with technology. And uh, the, 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 the blessing is that I, I, I really appreciate the, the advantages of technology. But the time that I forgot my password for my phone, and facial recognition wasn't working. And I went through that thing, I don't know how many times, I did it so many times that I got locked out of the phone. <laughs> trying three hours, trying, trying 10 days, and then that didn't say 10 days. But at some point, I was locked out, and I was told that I was gonna have to go into the, the, to the store and have the technicians reset my phone to the factory uh, to, to 
to, to the beginning of where I lose all my information. The factory setting, yeah. I heard all y'all say that. So you're just as slow as me, right? So the factory setting. And so I called Brandon. I shared with this guys before, and Brandon said, all right, Dad, calm down. Calm down. This is Mr. Chill. So he said, Dad, try it one more time. So I calmed down. I tried it one more time. Bam! It opened instantly. And it's like, what? Every, everything that I needed was on my phone. All my passwords, all my wiring information. And, and, and we always out, it was one number. One number that kept me locked out. Then listen to this. One of the blessings of recognizing what makes Jesus the best gift is that it reveals that what the scriptures have said about God sending his son, you can trust the accuracy and the, the, the reliability of the Bible, that the Bible is true. And just like one letter, one number kept me out of my phone and, 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 and forced me to be in a position where I was going to lose all my information. The scripture says, Jesus speaking, he said, not one letter, not one line of the word of God will fail before all in heaven and earth passes away. God's word is true. And then Jesus, then, then God speaking to Jeremiah, he says, I keep watch over my word to make sure that everything that I promise comes to pass, that my word is fulfilled. The scriptures are true. And because they're true, everything that was said about Jesus, the purity of his birth, the peculiarity of his birth, the place of his birth, the purpose for it all had to happen just as the scriptures said they would. And the scriptures have not been broken. God's word has not failed. The Bible can still be trusted. Somebody say amen. Why doesn't the world make Jesus the best gift? It's because Satan has blinded their minds. Sinners love sin more than God, and saints have made it about them rather than God. And we've seen... What, the, the, what, what we should focus on so that we continue to make Jesus the best. Now, how should you respond to the fact that Jesus is the best? And we're going to finish with this. Y'all with me? I'm going to read some scripture in, in Luke chapter uh, 2, verses 15 through 20. I'm learning the older, the younger I get, the more we have to stick with the story. I thank God for, that, for, the, for, the, for the play because they told the whole story. People don't know the story about the virgin birth and the promises of God. And when you don't know solid foundational doctrine, you can be tricked and deceived as we're seeing today. Watch this. Watch this. So it was when the angels had gone away from, from them into the heavens that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem. Who was born in Bethlehem? Who was born in Bethlehem? It's not somebody on incompetent. Who was born in Bethlehem? Amen. And see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. The first thing that we need to do to celebrate and make Jesus 
who uh, allow him to be the best gift in our own experience is to do what these shepherds did. They said, let us go to Bethlehem to see is what, what the angels said about what God said to them to see if it's true. You need to study the word of God to see is what the Bible said about Jesus is actually true. They said, let's go see if what they said happened in Bethlehem, really happened. I know the pastor said it. I know the bishop said it. But did God say it? They said, we, were, we heard the angels, and man, were we impressed. But let us go and confirm that with the scriptures. I heard a sermon today, and I believe it was true, but the scripture said that the Berean saints in Acts chapter 16, they not only heard the words that Paul was preaching, the scripture said that they went after the sermon to see if what Paul was saying was true by comparing scripture with scripture. So one of the ways that we're going to keep Jesus as the best gift is to study God's word. That's what they say. Let's go and see if this word is true. I believe if you tried, you like it. I believe if you tried, you'll find that everything that you need for godliness is right in this book. Somebody say amen. But here's the second thing they did. The scripture says, and they came in haste and they found uh, oh, oh, they said, and they, came, and they came in haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen this, they made widely known the sayings which was told to them concerning the child. The second thing is that, that they, they did, they start sharing with everybody. Go tell somebody about this best gift. Go tell somebody. Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost has come, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and unto the most... Uh, unto us, uh, uh, to, the out, the, to the outskirts of the ends of the earth. So what they did, when they saw what the scriptures had said were true through the angels, they start sharing it. Who have you been telling about Jesus? Who have you been telling about Jesus? Here's the third thing they did. And, and the scripture says, then the shepherds, be, be, uh, it says, and they came in, and hastened, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, now when they had seen him, oh, a third thing you need to do is spend, do what they did. They spent time in the presence of the Savior. The way we spend time in the presence of the Savior is through prayer. We can't work for the Lord until we worship him. They, the Bible said when they saw him for themselves, I wondered, have you seen him today? Have you seen him high and lifted up? Have you seen him as more than enough? Have you seen him as the one who can deliver you out of all of your troubles? Have you seen him as the bread of life? Have you seen him as the shepherd? Have you seen him as the way, the truth, and the life? Have you seen him? Have you spent time in the presence of the Lord? So they, so they, they, they spent time in the word to see if what was said was true, and then they shared with everybody after they saw him. I want you to know when you see him, it'll change you from the inside out. When they see him, when you see him, it'll give you joy in the time of your storm. When you see him, you will find yourself mounting up with wings of eagle. When you see him, discouragement will turn into joy. When you see him, you will begin to learn how to speak to fear with authority. When you have seen him, you'll learn how to run and not be weary. Have you seen him? The shy, I know the shy, what's the shy like? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? All you got to do is lift up your voice and cry out to him in prayer, and he will make, the Bible says, he'll, he said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And so they studied to see if what was said was true, 
They spent time in his presence. They shared wherever they went what they had seen and heard. And here's the one I like the most. In verse 20 says, when the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, they got the shouting about it. They got the praising the Lord. I'm telling you, when you see him, you don't care who's around you. You don't find yourself lifting up your hands. When you have seen him, your heart will be overjoyed, and you'll find yourself saying, thank you, Jesus. You'll find tears streaming down your cheeks. When you have seen him, they shouted, and they go in glory to the best gift. To the best gift. I am really impressed with Amazon. I used to always have to call Brandon and say, I want to order something, son. <laughs> and then he said, okay, I got it, Dad. A week later, I, did you order what I asked you to order? I got it, Dad. And then finally, he showed me how. Hallelujah. <laughs> to you. <laughs> I said, I got my new Bible on Amazon. Somebody say amen. But what, what, what Amazon, blow, how they blow my mind is you put in your order, not necessarily what you need, but what you want. And then they will tell you what it costs, and you have to put it in your shopping cart. Somebody know what I'm talking about? You agree to pay the price, and once they got your, your information, then they say your order has been completed, and they'll tell you a date. And then they'll give you a tracking number, and then that tracking number will come to your email, and you basically can follow when, the, when it's going to come, how long it's going to take, where they're going to deliver it, and then finally, you know, so you can do all of that. You can pay the money, get the, the, the confirmation, and, and, and know exactly what you want, but until you get the package, all that's wait, I don't mean nothing. But I want you to know back in eternity past, God's not Amazon. But he recognized that one day that we would need a savior. And an order was put in. <laughs> and he, he told Adam and Eve that I'm going to, through the, through the wound of a woman, I'm going to give a child. And this child's heel is going to be wounded, bruised. But he will fatally, this child named Jesus the Savior, will ultimately destroy the work, not only the works of the devil, but the devil himself. So that order was put on, put in before eternity passed. And then the prophets and the priests and all of those who were responsible for recording, they were giving us tracking information. He's coming. And he's going to come in the flesh. He's going to be God with us. He's going to be mad. Told all of his names. Wonderful counselor. Prince of Peace. We got all that tracking information. We got excited. We were even told where the mail was going to be delivered. In Bethlehem of Judea. Very small, but the mail is coming. His name is Jesus. He's going to save the people from sin. And he kept on for years. And everybody, they, they offered up animal sack, looking forward for this passion, this, this package to finally come. But it wouldn't have meant anything anything if the package wasn't delivered. I want you to know that 2,000 years ago in the city of Bethlehem, the package that was promised way back in eternity past has been delivered. Stand with me. It's been delivered. And when you said yes to the Lord, I need you, I receive you as my Savior, you were unwrapping the gift of eternal life. And now we can do like our children. When they open up those gifts under the tree, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mom. We ain't saying thank you, Daddy, Mom. But we should be saying thank you, God, for sending Jesus. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Because I understand that by grace, I am saved through faith. 
that not of myself. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Somebody say thank you. The best gift. The best gift. What's his name? The best gift. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is the best, best gift of all. Somebody giving praise. Giving praise. I don't think Dante knows the words, the, the music to this. I'm going to try to sing it. And if he can help me, and y'all can help me, and I start getting the words wrong, I'll, I now know that uh, our assistant pastor can get things wrong, too. Ignite ministry, okay? Jesus, 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 there is something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, let all earth and heaven proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that we got it, we got it. Let's try that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is something about that name. Master, Master, Savior, Savior, Jesus. Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. I'm about to sing this now. One more time, Jesus. Jesus, 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 there is something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something, but there's something, but there's something. 
But there's something, but there's something, there's something about that name. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah! The best gift, the best gift, the best gift. With every head bowed and all eyes closed.